0: presented by our wonderful friends over at Scentlock. guys i'm incredibly excited because the reactor heated vest is back in stock um i i'm a vest guy i love vests because you can keep your vitals warm and stay warmer without the bulk and as bow hunters know we don't want a lot of bulk in our shoulders and in our arms and so vests are really cool Then you take it a step further with a heated vest and there's different panels across your core and across your back to help you stay warm. The reactor heated vest is phenomenal and it's back in stock. So I would highly encourage you to go check out uh, the reactor heated vest at scentlock.com and get it while it's in stock because they do not last long. I've got an exciting episode. I uh, one of my favorite things about this podcast is the emails that I receive from people um, saying I just started or I'm trying to get started or um, thank you for your podcast it encouraged me to take the leap and start those are that's why I do what I do 100% um, it it literally makes my day makes my week every time I get an email I'm like babe look at this email and, and it just makes me so happy and Jeff was one of the first ones um, that really sent me an email like that. Um, I had received a couple um, before Jeff, but they were more of just like, hey man, thanks. I got started. Uh, But I got an email from Jeff last year and it basically said, hey man, started listening to your podcast, took the dive in, uh, just shot my first deer. Here you go with a picture. And I was just like, I freaked out. Like that made me... That makes it all worth it. Like, that's why I do this. And so, uh, we're wrapping up. This is the last episode of our Deer 101 series. Uh, so, we have taken you from the beginning um, on barriers of entry to uh, how to scout, where to hunt, how to hang tree stands, um, shot placements, recoveries. We've taken you through the entire process of deer hunting. And now, I wanted to hear from Jeff because um, Jeff last year was a new hunter. And so a lot of lessons learned along the way. And uh we're gonna kind of just go over those those lessons that he learned and and things that he didn't expect that happened and things that he expected that didn't happen. Um kind of how he'll evolve this year as a hunter based off of what he learned last year. Um but I've got Mr. Jeff lie Jeff, how are you man?
1: Doing well, sir. How are you?
0: Man, I dude it's October. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It's on the eve of October. It's getting there and uh I'm getting fired up i am incredibly excited about uh deer season Uh, my boy is four years old so all of this this early season um he's been helping me uh put out blinds hang tree stands check cameras he's fired up i've got a couple setups to where um you know a big blind and i can really sit him on the ground and get him below the windows that way deer don't see him moving around playing with his monster trucks in the dirt but um you know i'm incredibly excited i literally at one of my blinds I dug out all the grass so he had fresh dirt and he could play with his monster trucks in the dirt. Um, but he's underneath the windows. That way the deer don't see him. Um, there's no grass sticks or leaves. So it's quiet for him to play down there. And then when a deer starts to come in, I can say, Hey, bub, stand up, you know, real slow and quiet. And he can watch the deer and see everything. And so I'm incredibly excited about this season because, um, this is the first time I'm taking him out deer hunting with me. And so, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's fired up. I'm fired up. Um, Jeff, walk me through. So the email you sent me last year, uh, walk me through kind of what made you want to deer hunt? Like what, what got that ball rolling?
1: Yeah. Well, so when I was in high school, my parents bought 13 acres of land out in Eastern Wake County, which, you know, for some of you Midwest folks that doesn't sound like a lot of land, but for those of us that live around, a. a State capital or something like that. That's an enormous expanse of land for for most city folks. And, uh, you know, obviously we started seeing deer immediately out there. And it just kind of was something that I always wanted to do, but never really had anybody to teach me how. Uh, You know, my dad taught me to do a lot of things like work on cars and play baseball and, and all those things, but he was not a hunter. So it's not anything that he could transfer off to me. Uh, but for some reason, I just kind of always had in my head, a vision of me holding a lever action, 3030, 30 shooting a deer on the run across yeah. the field. Um, and, uh, and you now I just held on to that kind of for, for a really long time. And it's just something that, again, I always meant to get around to one of these here days, but just didn't have any way to get started really. Uh, but then after COVID came and I started working from home, you know, I, I sit in this little room eight hours a day for, uh, many, many months in a row and just really noticed that I needed to do something to get out of the house so I didn't go crazy. I was actually cleaning my handguns one day after a trip to the range and uh, listened to a podcast from Vortex Optics on just the basics of rifle scopes because it's something that I didn't know anything about. Uh, that one ended. They played another one. And uh, one of the guys from Identical Draw was on there talking about their website, newhunter.org, which I know you've talked about recently. Yeah. Uh, and and that just kind of got me started saying, OK, if there's a, an asset, a resource on that website that can at least get me going, um, then yeah, I wouldn't feel totally lost. So I actually registered for the website. Uh, found somebody on there in North Carolina. Now, unfortunately, the the closest person is about three and a half hours away up in the mountains. Uh, but at least then I had a, a starting point, and um, you know, really got going, talking to him, talking to Hayden uh, over the internet, uh, and then you know, via phone and text, and that kind of just gave me the confidence to kind of get out there and get started.
0: That's awesome, man. No, I I absolutely applaud. Um, Identical draw for their website um, it's a it's a wonderful platform. It's a wonderful tool to be used. Um, and I would highly encourage you. if you're trying to get into hunting, trying to start hunting, go check out um, newhunter dot org. I believe it is right? yep, dot org. Uh, I said dot com one time, I think, but that's an incredible tool. The guys at at identical draw are hands down phenomenal. Um, that they, They're great guys. And so I would highly encourage you to go check that platform out. Um, before we really jump into this, I've got to make note. We are one week away. Um, next Monday, the new bows will release from Bear Archery. Uh, let me just say this. 90 years, uh, it's the 90-year anniversary of Bear Archery. And I, I promise you they're doing things that Bear Archery has never done before. Um, they're taking steps to be the Bear Archery that we need. Um, the bear archery of old, the bear archery, um, that everybody's been expecting. It is going to be an exciting year. So we're exactly one week away from the new bow episode where we have on the engineers and we talk every detail about the new bows. Um, So I would highly encourage you to tune in next week uh, where we cover every single spec of the new bows, um, how they shoot, why they did what they did, um, the changes that were made, the new stuff that we've never seen before. I would highly encourage you to tune in next week because it's an exciting episode. Um, All right, Jeff. So as you began this journey, What did you expect to get out of hunting? Like what was your expectations going into becoming a deer hunter?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Like I said, I mainly just wanted to spend some time out of doors. Just try something new, you know, check something off the list that I've kind of always wanted to do. Um, And of course I, I dove in head first. So I watched podcasts on, youtube and, and watched uh, hunting public on amazon prime so once that happened i expected to kill a 75 point buck the very first hour i sat in a tree stand because that's all they do that's right um but it's really just to try something fun man i love being outside i love being in god's creation and just to to, to again to challenge myself to, to learn something new learn something that you know at one point i'd convinced myself i couldn't do but um you know then got brave enough and, and had an ally I had some resources and just wanted to to get my my hands dirty, get in the woods and, and see what would happen from there.
0: Now to every new hunter, let me just make note of what he just said. Um, social media and TV shows do a really good job of making you think you're going to walk out and shoot a giant deer. Um, and that's just not reality. Right. Uh, now I'm a huge fan of social media. I'm a huge fan of TV shows. Um, I'm a huge fan of podcast, but uh, I believe one thing that is missing is transparency um, and transparency of, man, I missed, uh, I, I blew it, a uh, big buck was coming in and I made a noise and he spooked. Um, or the reality of I hunted 47 days and saw one doe um, because that's real. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I've been there on phenomenal properties. Like I've been there on grade A properties and, and you, you just find them in a, in a bad time. Um, you know, a perfect example I drove down um, one of my favorite places in the world to hunt Liberty ranch in Oklahoma. Uh, It's a phenomenal outfit. And I had expectations of killing a giant buck. Uh, Why? Because it's a phenomenal outfit. Um, And I drove down one day and was going to hunt for three or four days. And we just caught them in the absolute worst lockdown ever and no deer were moving. I had an all day sit um, 13 hours in a tree stand where I didn't see a deer. Um, and it was, it sucked, but that's the kind of transparency that we need to put out there is no matter where you're hunting, no matter how good the ground you're hunting, no matter how good of a hunter you are, there are going to be times where you just don't even see deer, much less a giant deer. Um, and so that expectation has to be real. Um, you cannot start hunting and expect to shoot a giant 200 inch buck. Um, it's just not reality. And what happens is You have that expectations and then you go into hunting and you might see a doe for 10 days. And then you're like, this sucks, dude. Like this is horrible. And then you quit and give up. Like I'm here to tell you right now, if you're starting deer hunting, expect it to suck. Like expect it to sit there for hours and see maybe a doe. Sit there and maybe see a forky. Um, now, now don't get me wrong. There are guys who, I don't want to say get lucky, but there are guys who are at the right place at the right time. And in their first week of hunting, they kill a giant buck that, that does happen, but that's not the, the standard. So just expect those things. Um, so as you started, what, what, how did those expectations unfold? Like, what did you learn quickly?
1: Well, um, you know, I had, I knew that I was in deer. So, uh, my parents, like I said, they've got a little bit of land out there and I sent some letters to their neighbors to just say, Hey, I'm going to be hunting this land. We've been here for a long time, but if you hear gunshots, you know, no big deal. Oh, by the way, if you want to let me hunt on your land too, that'd be fine. Uh, so actually one other neighbor, uh, a few, uh, lots down, let me hunt in his back, back 20 or so acres as well. So I had a couple different spots to hunt, had cameras up, knew there were deer around. um, did not realize how hard it would be to translate the fact that they were eating my corn at 3 AM to needing to see them during daylight. So I could try to put a bullet through them. Uh, but you know, I I did actually start seeing deer on my hunts right away. Now there's still even with a rifle in your hand, a long way between seeing a deer and getting a good ethical shot at a deer worth shooting. And even though I'd gotten the advice from my, my mentor Hayden to just, you know, blast the first thing that I got a good shot at, um, you know, it, it was, it was more of a slog than I thought it was encouraging. Cause again, I was seeing deer, but then I was learning things like, oh, you need to have your corn out and uh, you can bait here in North Carolina. So you need to put some corn out a few days before you're going to go sit, right? So your ground scent's off. So that when mama walks up, she doesn't hit that wall of my ground scent, turn around and beeline it back out, like happened on opening day. Uh, so, you know, there was, there were encouragements. Uh, I saw deer on my first several hunts. I just didn't get shots at them because, you know, they came from the wrong direction or, <laughs> I came to not really love morning hunts because I walked in on them three different times. So you get up at three o'clock yeah. in the morning and, you know, eat breakfast and shower and get out the door and get there and you're sneaking in and you see glowing eyeballs staring you in the face and then they blow and run. So, yeah, uh, man, I knew they were there. They knew I was there far too often, but, uh, it was enough to keep going. But like you said, there are definitely times where I'm like, you know, I could be asleep. I could be with my kids. I could be giving my wife a break. What am I doing? um but fortunately i kept going
0: that is a big lesson and, and sometimes it's hard to learn like sometimes it's hard to figure out of on this property should i be hunting in the mornings or the evenings yeah. uh because i've had properties where um you know deer move in at, at 3 p.m. and start feeding and they're going to be all around the area until dark and so you try to come in in the evening and you get there in the fields full of deer and you're like crap like now what um and vice versa i've had i've had it where it, you know, your, your scenario is exactly right. You walk in and all of a sudden you start hearing stomping and blow and you're like, dang it. Like crap. Um, now what I have learned is given the property, uh, what can happen is if I come in as stealthy and as quiet and as scent free as I can, I might blow deer out of the field. But if I just tuck back in and sit down and be quiet, um, and let them calm down, either they'll start feeding in or other deer will start feeding in. Um, and so doesn't mean your hunt's over, like don't give up and, and, and go home. Uh, because one time in particular, well, just last year, actually, uh, I was walking into my blind and I spooked a big buck and I was like, crap. Um, he had just happened to bed down in the area and I'm like, dang it. Um, and immediately like every hunter's like, I blew it. Like he was here, you know. I should have been here earlier. Should have came in the evening. Like whatever. I blew it. Um, but I tucked in my blind, and ended up shooting a nice buck that morning. Uh, because he happened. It's the rut, dude. Anything can happen. Let me let me preference that. It was the rut. Uh, so anything can happen. Um, and so I just tucked back in, and and I saw deer all morning, and I even saw that buck again. Uh, he got on a hot doe, and and that hot doe let him right back in. Just so happened it was after I'd already shot my buck, and so um, I was kind of. Uh, just had to watch them, but um yeah, I mean don't don't think that your hunt's over just because that happens. Um, what was the single biggest lesson you learned last year?
1: Hmm. Um I'd say overall, I'd say the single, single biggest lesson I learned is that hunting is easy to do poorly, but you can still have fun <laughs> doing it poorly. Yeah, it's hard That's to do good. it well. Um, and, and at the times where I expected myself to know what I was doing better than I did, you know, I, I could easily get frustrated, you know, how quiet yeah. is quiet enough to walk into the tree? I don't know. Cause I'm here by myself. Um, you know, how early is early, how late is late. Um, but overall looking back, you know, I made a ton of mistakes. I did a lot of things, right. I had a whole lot of fun dragging corn in and, you know, smearing peanut butter on oak trees and, and all sorts of things. And, uh. Did a lot of things wrong, still ended up putting a couple of deer in the freezer and, uh, and and found something that I love. Will I do it the rest of my life? I don't know. But it's certainly something that, that I love to do for now.
0: Yeah. And that is like, you also have to understand no matter what, there is a bit of luck involved in this. Hmm. Like there is a bit of if the deer comes by, he comes by. If he doesn't, there's, he doesn't. Um, you know, that you have to understand that. Like no matter if I do everything right, that buck could simply be bedded down with a doe for that morning. Like that buck could be out of the, out of the game for today. Um, and we have to understand that. Like we have to, to realize at some point there's just a bit of luck that plays into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, just recently I was on an elk hunt in Idaho and I had to to come to that realization. Like we get there and there's forest fires everywhere and, and that's just bad luck. Like, there's nothing I can do about the forest fires. It shut up the elk. It locked down the elk. Like there was nothing I could do. And that's just bad luck. We have to understand that there is a bit of luck that plays into this. And, and we have to just accept that as hunters. Um, and so that was a lesson that was hard for me because I'm like, dude, I'm doing everything right. I'm in the right spot, hunting the right winds. I'm I'm doing what I need to do. And there's just no deer showing up. Um, and so you have to understand that and, and just come to that realization.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, guys, I don't golf, but guys go out there and shoot 120 on the golf course and have fun. So, you know, there's gotta be an equivalent in the hunting world where you can go out there and spook deer and leave ground sun everywhere and, and do all the things wrong. And and then they still happen to walk in front of you and and beg you to shoot them. And so, you know, it can still be something that's fun, you know, knowing that I'm never going to, going to do it at a proficiency for somebody like you that's been doing it since they were, you know, eight years old or whatever.
0: You know, and that's what, like, Some of the worst hunts are like some of the best hunts, uh, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, sure. I blew out a monster buck, but at least I saw a monster buck like, and that that's fun. Like that's, that's a great time. And, and it's something that's so hard. Like if your only goal is to kill a buck, here's what's going to happen. If your only goal is to kill a giant buck, here's what, here's what will happen. Either a, you're going to figure out this is a lot harder. And it's going to take a lot more work than I anticipated. And you're going to give up and quit, or you're going to kill a monster buck and then say, well, that was fun. Move on to something else. Time to go somewhere else. Time to try duck hunting, time to tie time to start Taekwondo or, I mean, whatever you do, um, you're going to move on to another goal. But if your goal is to enjoy the process and to enjoy the hunt and to enjoy the sunrises from the blind and the sunsets and seeing deer and seeing squirrels or hogs or, or whatever, then you're invested like you're in it and and you'll hang in there and you'll get more out of it than other people. And, you know, people often wonder like Dylan, how do you enjoy this? Like, how do you enjoy going out and, and not, you know, you hunted for 17 days straight for the one buck and you never saw him. Like, how do you enjoy that? Well, because I might not have saw the buck I wanted to shoot, but I saw 112 does. I saw 47 forkies. I saw, you know, 12 turkeys. I saw and that's fun to watch and that's fun to, to experience. And it's fun to, to be in the woods without anything else, knowing you're existing. And it's just, it's incredible. And we have to enjoy the process. Like I thoroughly, this is one of my favorite times of the year, um, because I enjoy the process of it. I don't just enjoy the hunt. I enjoy the process of it. And, uh, you know, it's a good time to give a shout out to my friends at arrow junkie because i enjoy the process of like building my arrows and, and and sharpening my broadheads and tuning my arrows and and i enjoy that and so you know guys like arrow junkie who give you all the tools to do that uh, and all the resources to do that and all the all the all the jigs you need to fletch your own arrows and all the sharpeners to sharpen your broadheads and everything to tune your own arrows and build your own arrows like i enjoy that process i enjoy just immersing myself in the day to day you know i i like going out and putting up blinds and hanging tree stands and trimming lanes and I enjoy that. And so you have to unless, you know, because again, if your only goal is I'm gonna go out and kill a big buck, you're not gonna get much out of it.
1: That's right. No, I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's a whole lot more that goes into it that I've learned that, you know, that that are life skills. Like you said, I mean I, I bought a bow and, and so I'm into the bow season this year already and sharpening stuff and tinkering and learning how this works and how spine plays into weight for my draw length and all that good stuff. And shoot, I'll be honest. I never even really knew how to use a ratchet strap till I was trying to put tree stands on the trees last year. And just, you know, things like that, that, that I've taken away from the process, like you said, not just sitting in the tree, but, but all the things that lead up to it uh, are certainly things that, that I feel more well-rounded as a a grown man than, than I would have otherwise.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, you learn so much through the process. Like, Mm you learn what you're looking for in a tree to hang a tree stand. Like I learned pretty quickly when I moved to Kansas, don't hang trees with hedge apples above them because they're going to start dropping and you're going to get knocked out. Like that's what, you know, you learn those types of things and you grow as just a woodsman. It's not even about, did I kill deer? I heard somebody really good say this. Um, it was David Holder from raised hunting. Um, and he was talking about good hunters. And he said, you know, I don't look at a good hunter who kills a 200 inch buck and say they're a good hunter. I look at somebody who's constantly putting down good deer, you know, just mature, healthy deer and say, that's a good hunter. Um, and that's what I want to be. You know, I, I, I want to just be a good woodsman. I want to be a good, uh, I want to be able to look at at things and rubs and scrapes and tracks and, and I just want to immerse myself in the process. And it, it's not really about killing a 200 inch buck. Now, if a 200 inch buck comes out at 20 yards, I'm not going to say, ah, it's not about you. I'm going to put an arrow in him. Right. Uh, and, and I'm going to do it proudly. But that's never what it's been about for me. And so you know, I get that question all the time of like, my dad is the worst. Like, hopefully you're listening dad, uh, because you're the worst. Um, he was like, just this year, he's like, when are you going to kill a big deer? And I'm like, well, dad, first off, like I would rather kill 730 inch deers in a year than one 200 inch buck, because I just enjoy the whole process. I enjoy harvesting animals. I enjoy putting meat on the table. I enjoy, I just enjoy it. And so, um, that's what you have to, to, get down to. Um is just enjoying the the process. Now, as a new hunter, what did that process look like for you?
1: Well, um Yes. As far as finding places to hunt, you know, uh, again, my, my mentor Hayden, he sent me some looked at the public land around me and sent me some pens based on his e-scouting skills on what he thought I should be looking at. So I spent some time in the woods, doing all that stuff, looking at public land, trying to find places that would be good options. I ended up hunting largely on the private out of my parents' house, uh, and then their neighbor's spot. So, um, as far as the, the process itself, um, I mean, it was, it was learning all sorts of skills that I didn't have. Like, I don't love heights. So, um, learning how to hang tree stands in a way that didn't make me feel like I was going <laughs> to fall to my death and die from nine feet. Um, you know, trying to do everything on a budget. Cause again, I was trying to buy all the things all at once you know, without, you know, getting, getting any heat from, uh, from the CFO of the family. Um, the process of, of finding them was putting out trail cameras, spending time in the woods, uh, listening to podcasts i mean i dove in and talked to anybody i could about it uh ended up on a mailing list for uh, a company called mountain hunter box run by derek depew Um, he was kind enough to give me 30 minutes of his phone maybe it was an hour so just just picking his brain about hunting in general so i learned everything i possibly could about hunting any species i possibly could uh and then just just made up my mind that okay here we go i'm gonna get in there and, and give it a try and opening day is this day and Told everybody that it was going to happen, so I, you know, could be held accountable, and and just you know, bought my gun, sighted it in, um, did get some advice from some local folks just on on the best places to take my my game and everything like that. But uh, just made up my mind and, and went for it.
0: Now, budget is one thing I love to talk about because people like to to make that excuse. It's too expensive, man. It's too big of an investment. You can do this for cheap. Like you can get started for cheap you can buy what boat did you end up buying
1: well so again bow for this year got on camo fire is a is a g5 uh, amp so it was new old stock from 2017 so you know i'm only in it a couple hundred bucks and then took it to a local bow shop to get kitted out all the rest of the way
0: there you go i mean you can get into this for 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 cheap you know i wanted to get my wife into hunting um well let me rephrase that i got my wife into hunting right when we got married uh then we started popping out kids and she stopped hunting um so a couple of years ago last year i guess it was her first year back in the game um and i really wanted to get her involved uh but i i didn't want to spend a ton of money i didn't frankly, i didn't have a ton of money to spend to get her involved um and so you know you can pick up like i got her a bear legit ready to hunt um for i think 430 bucks um from from academy um Yeah, $430, I believe, uh, from Academy fully set up, ready to hunt. Um, I got her some budget camo, um, some, some blocker outdoors camo, um, some cheaper end stuff. She was going to be hunting in a blind mostly. And so, you know, I wasn't really worried about a lot of things. I put a little buddy heater in there, so I wasn't worried about a whole lot of clothing. And so, um, you know, I got her started for really cheap and and all of a sudden she was ready to hunt, you know, a pop-up blind for 80 bucks and a bow for 430 and, you know, a couple hundred on camo. She was ready to hunt for 600 bucks, like ready to fully do whatever she wanted to do. Um, Kill as many deer as she wanted to kill. And so you can do this for relatively cheap and you can do it for even cheaper than I got her started. You know, you can find used bows on Craigslist all day long. I spent $200 on my first bow. The first bow that I actually purchased, um, I spent $200. It was a bear charger, um, a budget bow. I got it set up off Craigslist for $200. And and it came with arrows, a release, a case, Mm -hmm. the bow, everything. So I was hunting for $200. Um, And so you can do this for cheap. It does not have to be a $1,000 investment. It does not have to be... You know, that's another thing. Like, don't let social media trick you into thinking like, man, these guys are shooting bows that cost two grand. That's what I have to go out and spend to, to get a bow that'll kill animals. Uh-uh. My wife's bow at $430 will, will, will kill animals. Uh, I promise. She did it. Um, so, I don't buy into that. Like, don't buy into the hype um, that you have to spend X amount of dollars on all this, on all these bows and on all this camo and all this. You don't have to. Um, even scent lock. Like, Even Scentlock will run stellar deals um, and you can be fully outfitted. Uh, I had a buddy reach out to me and and he had gotten into hunting, but he never really bought the clothing. Um, And Scentlock was running a massive sale at the time. And I mean, like, he decked out. Like, I'm not talking like, you know, one suit, um, like he decked himself out, um, with everything he could ever dream of having in the woods with camo. And I think he spent like 800 bucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, and again, that sounds like a lot, but he went all out. Like it was like, I need a suit for every color and every, um, so he went all out. Um, so you can get started and don't have to spend a ton of money. Um, don't buy into that.
1: Yep. Go to your local bow shop, see what they have, uh, on consignment or used. Uh, find something on Craigslist. Take it to your bow shop. Let them check it out. Most places will, I found, will will, you know, do a little pre-purchase inspection to make sure there's no damage or anything like yeah. that, and then let you go make your deal. You know, for the bow in the in the parking lot, use your bow shop. Use you know Grandpa's twelve gauge with some slugs in it, something like that. It doesn't have to be anything even that you go spend money on. It can just be stuff that everybody already has for you.
0: Absolutely absolutely right um you know if you find a mentor a lot of those guys have old bows laying around that they don't mind letting you shoot um a lot of those guys will say hey i you know this is my this this bow might be seven years old but it'll still kill deer um so take do my dad shot so many deer with like a 1984 bow like i mean just you know garbage little metal sights and 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 you know, you, you're drawing back 70 and you're holding back 65, like just horrible bow. Sounds like a gun going off, but he killed so many deer with that. Uh, and I mean, like up until like, well, in 2007, we bought him a new bow. Um, so up until 2007, he was shooting like a 1984 bow um, and, and killing deer with it left and right, um, putting them down. So you don't have to spend a lot of money. I mean, you can go and, and find dirt cheap bows on eBay, Craigslist, Facebook marketplace, you name it. Um, now what will change for you? This is your second season. Now, what will change for you from last season to this season? Like help out that new hunter and just say, Hey, listen, this is the mistakes I made that I'm already going to be changing for this year. So here you go.
1: Sure. Um, <clears throat> I think kind of some of it's what we already talked about is have reasonable expectations. And and that's something that I've just had more time to look back on If you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying the process, then go do something else. I mean, stay home and watch college football, whatever you want to do, but having reasonable expectations of what it will take to, and really just to be happy to kill a deer. You know, if I put a couple of deer in the freezer again, this year, it's going to be a win. I've got my kids involved as far as talking about it and looking at pictures and everything else. Um, I know that this year I'm going to pay, so I've gotten access to a couple more pieces of land. So I've got a little more flexibility now, but I'm going to pay more attention to my scent and the wind. Uh, Last year, you know, my wife didn't marry a hunter. I just kind of jumped into it. So I had to fit it all in. So whatever day I could go hunting, I was going to go sit. If the wind was blowing straight into where they were coming, it was that or wait till next week. So I just had to go get it done. I'm going to try to be a little more picky about when and where, since I've got some more flexibility. Um, and, and you just try to put as many of the odds in my favor as I can, you know, like I said, I have got a bow now, so I've got to be within 20 yards or so to, to get a good shot, uh, until rifle season starts next month. So just trying to really think about what are my, make, make decisions that give me more options on, you know, where I bait, um, where I'm going to even cut, Pass through the briars or rake the leaves out so I can sneak in there. You know, where can I put in entry points into the woods? They're going to let me hunt different scenarios for different winds or different weather, things like that. Um, I think that's something that I, again, I just didn't have the capacity to pay attention to this year that I'm going to pay more attention to or couldn't pay attention to last year. That'll be more diligent on this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's what like never, ever stop learning. Yeah. Um, if I can just give you the biggest piece of advice to, as you start hunting, never stop learning all. I mean, here's what happens. I think is a lot of guys, they find success in their first year. And then they're like, I've got this, like, I'm, I'm all good. But then the next year things completely change And they're like, wait a second, like where are the deer at? They were all coming here last year. Um, and you have to learn, oh, acorns are dropping over here. Like that's where I need to be hunting. Um, or, oh crap, they have this planted in winter wheat this year. So now all my deer are going to be over there rather than where they were last year. Like you have to, to evolve as a hunter um, and never ever stop learning. Um, you know, even if you've got a small track of land, uh, I have one one property and it's only six acres, but it's like a phenomenal six acres. It's unbelievable. Um, even in that six acres, things change. Like even in that six acres, I'm like, wait a second, why aren't the deer coming from where they came last year? So I walk over there. Oh two trees have fallen down. Like they can't get through here anymore. So now they have to go all the way around. And that's why I'm getting scented because they're coming all the way around the other side to get here. And so you have to, you have to change as things change in the woods and you have to never stop learning what the deer are doing, how the deer are doing it. Like I learned something every year about what a deer smells, what a deer hears, what a deer sees, what a deer, um, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to uh the tactics episode we did in this deer 101 series uh because we have um we have all of these tactics that we use as hunters but then we really unpack them as to why they work and how they work and what a deer hears um and what you know what tones do deer hear and what how what distances do deer hear all of those things and that's things that t- I can take and make myself a better hunter with because you know I learned that deer don't really hear in the tones I thought they hear in. Um and so that'll change the way that I hunt. You know, I, I learn that when a deer sees a decoy, they're looking for different things than I thought they were looking for. Uh they don't just lock onto that decoy. Um so anyways, you have to as a hunter continue to learn the the noises that deer make when when certain things happen, the way that deer respond when certain things happen, uh the way that, you know, you just have to you have to continue to learn and evolve as a hunter. Um now you did, you did shoot two does last year. Is that correct? Yep. Dude, that's phenomenal. Like that's, that's a fantastic start. Um, again, it's not, and I say that because that exceeds expectations for a new hunter, in my opinion. Uh, now, now again, like we've already talked about a lot of hunters go in like, dude, oh, I only killed two does. Like where's the horns? Like I wanted right. a massive buck on the wall. Dude, two does is phenomenal in a first season of hunting. And that's Thank something you. to be applauded.
1: I appreciate that. No, it was a lot of fun. You know, obviously my wife was real patient, letting me go out as often as I could. So, um, yeah, it it ended up, you know, being something that in hindsight I can be proud of.
0: Now, what is you shot two does last year in your first year. Um, do your goals change this year? Like, are you going to hold off on does? Are you going to stack bodies? Like what what does this year look like for you?
1: So I think it's going to depend on the property that I'm hunting. Um, one spot is, a, a. horse farm actually right behind our neighborhood. My next door neighbor owns it. Notice her out there struggling with her lawnmower one day early in the spring said, Hey, let me just knock your yard out for you. So I've been mowing her grass all summer. Then as I was trying a trail camera in the backyard, a big eight point walked by and I've got a picture of him. So I said to her, Hey, by the way, how would you feel about me taking my bow back to your horse farm? She said, Hey, by all means, go for it. So, you know, if I get a chance to stack some bodies on the does that are strolling through eating my tomato plants every year, then we might just go ahead and and put them in the freezer sooner rather than later. Um, But out near my parents' house, uh, I've got pictures of some good bucks that I'm gonna probably hold on to and and try to keep the does in play, you know, for the rut, like you said, saw uh, both of them actually Friday night, did not get a shot on either one of them, but know they're out there. So, um, you know, yeah, if, if I can, put something with antlers on the wall, then that'll be super duper exciting. I know they're out there where I, I can hunt them now. I've seen them. I've actually seen a buck in person um, rather than just on the camera. So that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, uh yeah, I, I know I want to take a couple of does out so that they'll stay out of my yard. Um, And then other that'll i probably wait until later in the year. And honestly, I'm trying to get a couple of friends involved as well. I've got a buddy who used to hunt uh, back at home, you know, when he was down east in North Carolina, but hasn't hunted much since he's been up here. So, um, you know, trying to, to convince him to go to the range and dial his, his rifle in so we can go out together. So going to try to maybe save some of them for him as well.
0: Now that's also a, a big lesson, um, on how to acquire land. Like don't just stroll up to a property and say, Hey, can I, can I hunt your ground? I have learned it speaks volumes to roll up to a piece of property and say, Hey, listen, I would really like to hunt on your property. Uh, but what can I do for you on your property? Like, is there anything that you need done? Um, you know, mowing, um, trimming trees, uh, hedge bushes, like whatever. Can I help you do anything? And most people that changes their answer. Like I am straight up and honest with you because they understand you're not just trying to take from me you're trying to help me. Um, you know, I've had, I've had two guys who said, uh, I don't really need help mowing. I kind of enjoy it but what I need help with is maintaining the banks of my ponds, Mm -hmm. um, because it's just a lot of weed eating and I don't want to do that. And so I, weed eat their ponds and they let me hunt. And so, um, ask people, you know, what can I do to help you on your, on your property? Um, how can I, how can I help be of assistance to you? Um, and most people are super receptive to that.
1: And even if they're not, you don't need most people to say yes, you only need a couple of people to say yes. Uh, you know, like I said, it's my next door neighbor. And then, um, I did a good enough job being disrespectful of the other place that I hunted last year. And this is my parents' neighbor. He just turned me on to another, you know, let me have another, whatever, 10 acres of some family land that he manages. So it's not even like I did anything special other than be respectful and, you know, keep them involved into what I was doing. And, uh, you know, you don't need to hunt 50 different places as long as you've got as much as you can handle for your schedule, then, then you're in business.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Before we move on, guys, quick shout out to my my good friend, Nick Deeker at Nick's Knife Works. Um, absolutely the best knives I've ever used. Um, they're hand forged, custom made to exactly what you want them. Um, I literally called him and I'm like, hey, man, this is the specs that'll fit the side of my binocular harness. I want it super light, this length, this width. So it slides in the pocket of my binocular harness. Um, and that's exactly what he built me. And so I would highly encourage you if you're in the market for a knife, uh, which everybody should be as a hunter. Um, you need a good knife. Um, I would highly encourage you to check out nif uh, check out nick's You can buy them straight online. You can reach out to him if you want something special built. Um, but they are phenomenal hand forged knives forged right here in Kansas. Uh, he's a phenomenal guy, great to work with. He'll build you exactly what you want. Um, so go check out Nick's Knifeworks.com. Um What did you learn as far as, uh, gear? Like what, what about your gear will change? Because in the first couple of years, I've found that most guys are like, okay, I thought these boots would work. They don't. I thought this backpack would work. It doesn't. I thought this. So what about your gear? Did you learn? Maybe I should change this.
1: Yeah. Well, so like I said, I don't love heights and I was on a budget. So the tree stands that I bought were, you know, the, the budget model tree stands, which if you don't love heights and you get up there 10 or 15 feet in a pine tree and it's the wind starts to blow and the tree does this. And, uh, you know, if you don't already know Jesus, you're trying to make sure you you nail that down quick. Uh, I realized pretty quickly, I didn't love hunting out of a cheap tree stand. And so you're going to roll your eyes, but uh, I actually ended up in a saddle by the end of the year, even with a rifle. A tree uh, diaper. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so you know, was able to use my same sticks that I had for my uh, my death trap uh, tree stands, but uh, it just allowed me to. I feel more comfortable. I can stand up. I can actually move around. Um, Like I said, I was shooting with a rifle, so even with a 308, I can I can't get all the way around, but I could get a pretty good field of view, uh, so that even if they don't come from exactly where they're coming, I think they're going to come from that I can still get off a pretty good shot. Uh, So I know you're not necessarily on the on the bandwagon yet, but uh, in hindsight, if I could have just gone with a a saddle to start with, I definitely would have saved myself a little bit of money. If anybody needs a good deal on some budget tree stands in Central North Carolina, let me know.
0: I let me say this though, like I bag on 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 uh saddles i don't really bag on them i'm just not a, I, I haven't bought in yet um let me say this though they're a phenomenal tool and they serve their purpose very well they're very well to, it's a very good way to hunt um i i see that like i recognize that um i just haven't done it yet and, and it's something that i plan on trying eventually um but when you have you know 36 tree stands and 12 <laughs> yeah. ground blinds it's really hard to say I'm going to go to this. Um, so uh, again, phenomenal tool. I've just, for so long, I've hunted the same properties here in Kansas, um, and in Oklahoma at Liberty Ranch. Like I've got all the tree stands set where I want them and how I want them. And so until the situation occurs where I, I can use a saddle, uh, like if I was going to Missouri to hunt public ground, uh, that's what I would take as a saddle. Um, but just with the way that I'm set up, you know, I've got three leases here in Kansas and all the tree stands are already set up and, and ready to rock and roll. Um, they're at Liberty ranch in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, 14 tree stands are set up, ro- ready to rock and roll. So wherever I want to hunt that morning, I just go to the tree stand, climb up. Um, so, uh, same with Arkansas where I hunt in Arkansas and Missouri, where I hunt in Missouri, that all the tree stands are set up, ready to go. So saddles are a phenomenal tool. Um, a great way to hunt a very successful way to hunt. I just, I'm not at a place where I need them. So uh, I will continue to bag on them, I guess, um, just because it's not what I do. So
1: that's all right. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, uh, Jeff, I know you listen to the podcast, obviously. So you know what I'm going to ask you. Um, I need a field note, uh, a quick tip that you learned in your first year, uh, something that I can take and make myself a better hunter with.
1: Well, so uh, like I said, I've been in the woods with a bow a little bit this year. Uh, and and uh, what I learned Friday night is if you're walking through the woods uh and you need to get down in a hurry don't get down in a in a and land in a situation where you can't sit there for 15 or 20 minutes comfortably and i know that that might sound simple but you know if you get down on your yeah, knees cuz that's what you practice shooting in the backyard that's great until you've got to sit there long enough that your feet go to sleep and then they start to hurt and then you start to wonder if you're ever going to be able to walk again that's good uh, you know for me squat down in the catcher crouch um, that way I can stay there for forever. And if I need to, you know, draw and pop up, I'm I'm ready to do that. But I've learned that already this year that, uh, that's good. you don't want to go down on your knees unless you know, you're going to be back up in the next couple of minutes.
0: Yeah. That's a great tip. Um, uh, I do have a tip I want to share. Um, if you carry rain gear, which everybody should packable rain gear, um, carry two, I carry, they're, they're literally $3 at Walmart, like the NBA, um wristbands, sweatbands, Carry two of those. That way, when you throw your rain gear on, you can put two wristbands on your sleeves and it's going to hold that rain gear up against your arm. Because rain gear are notoriously floppy and and uh if you try to shoot, it's gonna it's gonna hit your string. So I carry I put them around the 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 jacket. Um that way I've always got them just two sweatbands. Um that way when I put the jacket on, I can just slide the two sweatbands on and it holds my my rain gear up against my arm, and I don't have to worry about shooting. Um, just a quick easy tip. So Jeff, man, thank you so much for your encouraging emails. Um, it's because of those types of emails is why I do what I do. Um, guys, if you are beginning the journey, I would highly encourage you to find a mentor, find somebody that can help you. Uh, even if, like Jeff said, they are a few hours away, uh, you can at least send them screenshots of maps and they can help you and say, this looks like a funnel. This looks like a good draw, whatever. Um but find somebody to help you, uh, and then never stop learning. That's, that's what we have to do as hunters. We have to evolve. We have to learn. Um, we, we learn something new every year. Um, so I, w- I learned something like I've found if I go to Texas, um, or a place I've never hunted before, I learned something completely new because those deer respond differently. They act differently. When you call, they act differently. When you, um, so Never stop learning. Never stop evolving. Always try to wrap your head around what are deer are doing and why. Uh, before we go, one more shout out to my friends over at the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Um, the John v., John V. Mesh was a firefighter in the Kansas City area. He had a strong passion for getting kids involved in the outdoors and. Now that he has passed on, his brothers have started a memorial in his name, um, and it's a scholarship. So they actually get to, they host these events around the country uh, to get kids involved in outdoors, and they're raising money um, to give a a scholarship to one kid every year who's going into um, like a a park ranger or something of the sort, uh, a a game management um, type of scholarship. And so I would highly encourage you to check out the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. I am picky about what kind of nonprofits that I stand behind and support, and they are one that I firmly believe in. So go check them out. The John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship at johnvmesh.org. Jeff, can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Good luck this season. Can't wait to see your pictures.
1: Sounds good. I'll keep them coming.
0: You're going to send me that giant eight point on the ground. I believe it.
1: I'm going to do my best
0: guys thanks for listening make sure and tune in next week to the new bow episode Uh, it's an exciting year for bows from bear archery and you're going to want to hear all the details guys thanks for listening y'all have a great week